Welcome to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a view of culture, current events, and politics through a biblical lens, with your hosts, Neil Boron, Bob Duco, Roger Marsh, and John Rush. Now let's join the conversation. Well, today's podcast episode is going to be about sports and how we look at the issue of sports and the mixing of sports and politics with, of course, the International Olympic Committee. Uh, announcing that they're going to be banning any protests, taking a knee during national anthems, things like that. And how does this relate to the entire question of politics and sports and mixing the two of them? We're going to explore this whole thing on today's National Crawford Roundtable with, of course, John Rush out of Denver, Roger Marsh out of Southern California, Neil Boron out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco. Gentlemen, great talking to you as always. Oh, by the way, Roger, it's decent of you to decide to show up this week. <laughs> well, yeah. can't, stay in, can't stay in Hawaii and can't stay in your honeymoon forever, but uh, we're going to try to keep that magic going welcome as long back. as we possibly can. Good to well, be back. Welcome guys. back. Welcome back. It's great to have you back with us. Congratulations. And, Thank you know, you. we were ribbing you a little bit last week. I'm thinking that, uh, you know, I know it was your honeymoon. I know you guys just got married, but you haven't been married long enough to get your wife to take one for the team so that you could be part of the <laughs> podcast last week. Yeah. Well, she's not Honey, a player. She's not a team player. Is that it, Roger? Yeah. Well, what you basically what you're saying is, Lisa, hey, come on. I know you're in Maui, but he's got to get up at four in the morning and do this podcast <laughs> with the guys. And I, I, well, I just yeah. couldn't get all pass for that one. I just, sorry, I just couldn't do it, you know? Yeah. Well, actually, I was thinking maybe we could do eight in the morning Eastern time from now on. What do you think, Roger? Oh, yeah, that that's great. I'm, so, no I'm sorry, Bob. You're breaking up. I can't hear you. <laughs> yeah, I hate when that happens. Hey, back on a honeymoon again. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, well, you know what? Let's let's talk a little bit about sports. To, here's what's uh, here's what we know. Of course, we've seen this in the news that the IOC, the International Olympic Committee, has announced that they are not going to allow any kind of political statements to take place during the. Uh, Tokyo Summer Olympics this year. So they are, are saying you're not allowed to show any displaying of political messaging, including signs or armbands, no gestures of a political nature like hand gestures or kneeling. Uh, you're not allowed to refuse to follow the ceremony's protocol. And so it sounds like the main point that they're making here is addressed to the Colin Kaepernick kind of take a knee during the national anthem, not saying that there couldn't be other ways that people issue statements, maybe uh, putting some kind of armband or something like that. Who knows? Uh, but bottom line, this is what they are saying. Now, there's some people complaining about this. A lot of the sports world, unfortunately, has gone so left wing. They don't like the idea of this. Uh, and you've got, what's her name, Megan Rapinoe, who, of course, the U.S. women's soccer star, she's tearing into the IOC, saying this is wrong. You can't be silencing and censoring dissent and such. So there's a lot of aspects of this to discuss. Let's just start throwing it around uh, the roundtable here uh, to start. And John Rush, let me toss it over to you, first of all. Just in a general overall sense, what are your thoughts and views on the Olympics making this declaration? I think it's about time, and I think more sporting events uh, should do that. And I think the thing that people need to realize is, you know, freedom of speech, and I just want to make sure I'm very clear on this, freedom of speech applies to the public square. Freedom of speech does not apply to the private square. What I mean by that is if you're an organization or myself as an employer, yes, I can set standards on what my people say, what they do, 
in fact, what they even put on their Facebook pages, for that matter. If I decide that I don't like something they've posted, I have the freedom to dismiss them from working for me. And I think that's the thing in this country right now that we've got so backwards. We haven't taught civics the way we should all these years. And the reality is people don't understand the difference between the public square and the private square. This is the private square. They can set the rules. That's right. I could not agree with you more. Roger, what do you say on this? I think this is a great uh, declaration. And the reason is, I think initially, if you read the actual, you know, the, the wording of this Rule 50 guideline, what you see is them saying, hey, you know what, what are the Olympics about? The Olympics is about us, you know, getting together, peace and harmony. We're just trying to have athletic competition. We understand it. And for those who would say, well, no, wait a minute, you can't have this kind of, uh, you know, censoring of these athletes. You know, everyone's entitled to their own opinion. Well, I think at a different day, people understood there was only so far that you went with things like that. The name of the game is support your sport, support your country, you know, sportsmanship, harmony, things like that. So for those Megan Rapinoe types who say this isn't right, you know, and we should be able to dissent. Well, yeah, you should be able to dissent. The Olympic Committee is just saying this is not the place to do it. You know, let's lift up what is good rather than make this a political statement for what is bad. I think I'm glad they did it. I'm sorry they had to do it. But I think it's something that time has come. Neil, what's your take? I don't disagree with anything that's been said thus far. I'm in favor of the Olympic Committee, you know, instituting the guidelines. I I also think it's important to note that they aren't trying to suppress what an athlete might say during a press conference. So it's the when and the where of it that matters. I think Megan Rapinoe and others that are trying to say this, you know, puts a damper on our right to express our opinions. I think that's baloney. The, the reality is you have a right to express your opinion on your personal Twitter feed or anything else um, or, you know, in a press conference or wherever else it might be allowed. I mean, I'm sure that people are going to be able to walk around with whatever T-shirt they feel like wearing in the Olympic Village. But we're talking about what happens on the playing field and on the medal platform when people are being awarded medals or during the playing of a national anthem. Those are times when I think it should be prohibited. I'm totally in favor of the uh, International Olympic Committee deciding to do so. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, I'm, I mean, I'm on board with you guys on this. I, free speech is not being denied. People have all kind of opportunity to have free speech. They have plenty of followers in social media. They do interviews all the time. They have major megaphone opportunities to get their political views out all over the place. But they do not need to take that particular moment uh, where a national anthem is playing or on the time of the M- Olympic Committee. All right. That's not their time. All right. That, that's not their right. own time. They right. don't own that time. Uh, right. They own the other 23 hours and 50 minutes or whatever of of the day. And they own every other day of the week. But for those moments, they're on someone else's clock and they have a responsibility to respect that. So I could not agree with you guys more. Now, let me throw out a devil's advocate argument here. Uh, and that is that uh, they're one of the most iconic moments in Olympic history of making a political statement was, of course, the 1968 Summer Olympics, where Tommy Smith won the gold medal, an African-American, and John Carlos won the bronze medal. And these two African-Americans in 1968 were drawing attention to the you know, genuine discrimination that was happening to a lot of black people. We know what the situation was like in the 1960s, of course. It was a very difficult time, and they raised their fists now uh, while standing there on the platform. Now, Tommy Smith, when he wrote his autobiography, he said he wasn't trying to convey a message of, quote, black power. He was trying to convey a message of 
standing up for civil rights of black people and, and whatever. So whether it was a black power message or not, there are those who see that and say, well, wait a minute here. You had black people in the 1960s having hoses and dogs turned on them. Uh, this was an important civil rights message that was coming out at the time. Do we now say that that iconic moment was also wrong to happen in the Olympics? How do we take stuff like that which people tend to be more sympathetic, gentlemen, to uh, to that political statement being made then and say it's okay then, but it's not okay now. Now, I think there's a lot of flaws in that argument, but that is a devil's advocate argument, uh, John Rush, that some people are going to throw out. How would you respond? Yeah. There, there is a lot of, of folks that would say that. And what I would say to that is it's a different time. It's a different time for us as a nation uh, despite what all of these people out there would say, the, the reality is, first of all, we've changed the, the definition of racism. It's no longer the same definition it even was during that time. And, and it's become more of a political mantra for people to run on than the true meaning of what it actually is. And again, bottom line is these private organizations can set the tone for whatever they want to. Frankly, they could have said it back then. Now, here's the other thing. If an athlete today in the Olympics decides they want to go ahead and do something, you know, they have the freedom to do so, but they will reap the repercussions of that. And right. they're talking through that process as to what does that actually mean. So, you know, they're not saying don't do it. What they're saying is if you do it, there's going to be consequences for you doing so. Right. Well, and you bring up an important point about the time that it is. And, and Neil, to, to John's point, 1968 and what black people were going through in 1968 – I just don't see how that can be comparable to today, 2020. Uh, I mean, let's face it, Colin Kaepernick and these NFL players and such that have been taken a knee, these guys are gazillionaires who make way, way, way more money than any of the four of us, live in way bigger mansions than any of the four of us. They have all the opportunities that that anybody in the world would just love to have financially and fame and everything else. And so I, I just... I just don't see, Neil, how a comparison can be made to the political gripes of people today compared to the uh, political gripes, if you will, of black people in the 60s. I agree. But for somebody who still feels like racism exists and they want to make a statement about it, I think they should make a statement about it, whatever that looks like. The problem is going back to... And yeah, I th I, let me just say that I fully agree that things have changed a great deal. But if you if you really listen to some uh, in the minority community, whatever minority we're talking about, they'll say, yeah, racism still exists. So it's still something I want to freely express my opinion on. But to go back to it, you know, whose nickel is paying for this is what it comes down to in my book. Right, right. And it, it can't be the only because Megan Rapinoe is going to do something. She said, we will not be silenced, was her quote regarding this whole thing. Um, and so she's going to, the point I think John just made, I want to agree with that too, is that the idea, these these guidelines say you're not allowed to do this. We're, we're not intending for anybody to use this as a platform for, you know, for politics or anything like that. It's about international competition and stuff. But the reality is, this is not their nickel. Uh, as a matter of fact, this year at the Super Bowl, they're saying that 30 seconds 
of airtime will cost five million dollars right uh, somebody is going to pay for that they want to use that airtime to their advantage this is valuable time uh, if you want to protest do it in your own way use your own money like you just described or use the, the the opportunity that they've given you to speak to the media after you get your medal you know but the idea that somebody I, I actually think it's a form of theft that somebody would step in yes. and say look I'm going to take your airtime Right. To uh, to proclaim my my views, and I know we need to take a break. Uh, you guys are probably going to want to respond, but let's just do that right, right. now. Let's take well, a break. Uh, no, go ahead. No, no, you're absolutely right, Neil. And you know what? We do need to take a break, so let's do this. Uh, okay. Short break. We'll pick it up right after this, and we'll get into some more details of this discussion, including the whole Colin Kaepernick issue, specifically the NFL, the take and the knee during the na- anthem, and should sports itself be politicized in any way? Or not. We'll dive into all of that as we continue on this National Crawford Roundtable. Be transformed by the Word of God with Alistair Begg and Truth for Life. Every weekday, Alistair Begg teaches the Bible through in-depth, verse-by-verse attention to the Word of God. You can listen to Truth for Life on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or listen online at truthfullife.org. Please support this important ministry with your donations at the truthfullife.org website or by calling 888-588-7884 and be sure to let them know you heard about Truthful Life from the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Continuing this National Crawford Roundtable uh, with Neil Boron, Roger Marsh, John Rush, myself, Bob Duco. And Roger, to Neil's point that we were talking about here with the IOC, of course, International Olympic Committee banning any protests, taking a knee and such... Neil is is laying out the really important point here that we cannot escape. You don't lose your right to free speech, but you don't have a right to take someone else's time and use that for your own political statements. They are on IOC time. The NFL players are on NFL time when they're on the field. Uh, it, It really is like stealing somebody else's time to make your own statements as though it's your time. Yeah, absolutely. And the thing about this uh, Rule 50 uh, that the uh, the IOC is putting down is they clearly lay out, these are the places where you are not allowed to have these demonstrations, and then these are the places where you can. You know, I mean, there are press conferences, there are uh, international broadcasting centers areas, there are team meetings, there are, if you want to go on digital or traditional media, other platforms are saying you're more than welcome to do this. The IOC is giving the athletes plenty of opportunity to express themselves. What they're saying is, when you're on the field to play, in other words, when you're on our dime, you're not going to do it. And one of the things I find very interesting is they liken it to the fact that, you know, even to the announcer who opens the the games and says, I declare the games of the, you know, Olympiad is, is, is going to be uh, open right now. Even they're not allowed to say anything. They're not going to get up right. there and say, and before I declare the games are open, free Hong Kong. It's like, no, they're not going to do that. So why should they? When you, when you bring it into the NFL context, then that's between the league and the teams and the players and everything. And it seemed like it was so interesting when the knee thing was really, you know, hot and heavy, but three years ago, that there were teams that were, you know, they were handling their business the way they did and other teams, you know, let it go. If you are working for someone, as we all are right now, you know, mm-hmm. we are here having conversation here where we have our own opinions and thoughts and everything, but we're very mindful of the fact of who's paying us, you know, to be right. a part of this, too. There, and, and so we could still have free speech and still work for Crawford Broadcasting at the same time. You know, what, yeah. what a great concept. The athletes shouldn't be taking for granted this right and privilege that they have. R- Roger, no, and, and guys, oh, real quick, I just want to add to that, Roger, what you just said. And I think the IOC, if they're if they're smart and it sounds like they are. They've most likely looked at what happened to the NFL when they allowed some of these things to happen. And really what happened during all of the NFL protests, the NFL knew this pretty quickly as well. 
is their revenue started to drop. And what I mean by that is, you know, viewership on football games, when all of that nonsense was going on, started to drop. Why? Because when, and this is, this is an age old thing that I think the IOC gets that a lot of athletes, frankly, don't get, but they should. They're performing and whether you want to say it or not, they're getting paid to perform. It's a performance. Let's say it for what it is, guys. It's entertainment. Right. It's performance. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're athletes. Yes, they're gifted. I get all of that. But the reality is they're being paid to put on a performance, whether you're playing football, basketball, volleyball, you name it. That's what they're doing, including the Olympics. It's no different because when they win a gold medal, trust me, their life just got a lot better after the fact. So the reality mm-hmm. is the IOC understands that viewership with the NFL went down when all this nonsense was going on. So let's face it, folks. This is about revenue. The IOC understands that nobody wants to watch sports and hear all of the political garbage that these people want to spew out one way or the other, by the way. I, I'm as a conservative, frankly, don't want to hear somebody spewing out conservative things any more than I want to hear liberal things. I just want a release and I want to watch the sport for what it is. Yeah, it's a very good point. What about you know? Let's let's do this. Let's talk specifically about the kneeling during a national anthem thing first of all, because I, I want to use that to springboard into a larger discussion about should sports be a completely politically a political uh, political free zone or not. But before we dive into that in more detail, I do want to address the kneeling thing specifically. It does seem like. This is kind of passe, and it's it's fizzled out. Colin Kaepernick, a few years ago, of course, launched this movement. It spread, and you had more players doing it. The NFL did suffer uh, during this time. Uh, but it appears like when you look at this current NFL season, unless I'm – any, any of you guys football junkies enough to know, has anybody been taking a knee at all no. through 2019? No. Not or that have I've they seen. just been doing it, and the cameras haven't been on it? That could be the case, but nobody's reported on it. Nobody said a word about it. Yeah, yeah. I've not seen any reports about it, and I mean, other than the fact that it happened in the past, but but not right now. But you know, what's interesting? You just mentioned the word cameras. One of my feelings is that I think that just as professional sports and media decided some time ago that when somebody jumps over the wall and streaks across the field, um, you know, naked during a sporting event, they're not Mm going to put the camera on them to encourage it. I don't understand why the media themselves haven't come to the aid of the NFL. Uh, the NFL makes the media a lot of money, you know, and and just put the camera on the flag it, or choose not to show the national anthem at all, which I would be against. I think it's an important right. part of the event. But, you know, for the most part, uh, either focus on the crowd and the flag or just the flag. But why in the world does it need to be on the one or two guys that are kneeling during the anthem? Why did they get center stage? I don't understand that. I think the media in that sense is part of the problem. Yeah. No, you know, it's a very fair point. Uh, what about the idea, though, of what these guys were taking a knee about? And I don't know if this is going to come back again. I don't know if it's fizzled out and then it's just gone or if it's going to start up again. I got a feeling if uh, Trump gets reelected that we're now going to have a new resurgence of some of this hatred from the left and the the kneeling could possibly come back again uh, under the banner of, oh, it's about police brutality and oppression, but really it's a uh, we hate Donald Trump uh, kind right. of right. Uh, kind of co-message along with this. Uh, I, I mean, what do you think? First of all, John, is this something that the, the argument is 
that they'll say, well, hey, we're trying to draw attention to uh, oppression and uh, racism, uh, institutional racism and police forces. First of all, I find that argument a bogus argument, quite frankly. But even if you you want to have that argument, it's a fine debate to have. Let's debate it on the facts. That is not the place to make the debate because it does seem to me that this is extremely disrespectful to America, disrespectful to the flag. You're taking the moment of the national anthem itself. And what blows my mind, John, is how many people on the left have tried to claim, and I've had callers into my show, you guys probably have too as well over the last few years, say, oh, no, that's not disre- they're not disrespecting the national anthem. This isn't an attack on the national anthem or America or the flag. Uh, this is just drawing attention to that. I'm like... Yes, it is an attack on America and the national anthem and the flag because you're choosing that moment when the flag comes right. out, John, to make your protest. Well, well said, Bob, and I fully agree with that. And again, we could have this debate on is there true racism in America? And here's the reality, folks, for everybody listening. Yes, there is. And yes, there always will be because we live in a fallen world and there's always going to be one person trying to oppress another. That's what Amen. we live But. The reality is, is it as widespread as it once was? I mean, my mother grew up in Kansas City, you know, way back in the in the you know uh, uh, late forties, early fifties, and can remember the drinking fountains for blacks only and things along those lines. And we haven't seen that in this country in a very, very long time. So the reality is, you know, we have given really at this point in time anybody the opportunity to succeed in America, and I say it on my show all the time, and really what it comes down to, guys, is it's not who can have the best education and who's the smartest. No, the reality is who can outwork the next guy. That's the American way. That's how you get ahead in this country, and somehow through all of this, we've lost that message. If you really want to, you know, down racism, which I think this is what Donald Trump really has done, put people to work. If they don't have idle time to sit around and just worry about nothing, and, and they're working, and they're actually lifting themselves up, you know, our country becomes better. And that's where we're at right now. And frankly, guys, that's what the left hates is because we are doing very well at that. Yeah, that's so very well good. That's a very good point. And by the way, I got to say, too, just on the the claim of institutional racism in police forces, there have now been two very large exhaustive university studies done. Uh, and one of them was done by an African-American liberal uh, Harvard University professor. And then there was another one, I believe it was Georgetown University, but I can't remember exactly. It was in the news not that long ago. And these were done by liberal academics who admitted in both of these studies, they were so surprised by the outcome of their result. They looked into the claims of systematic racism in police forces. And it's not to say there aren't bad cops and racist cops. We know they exist. But on average, they found that police officers, when they shoot someone, they're slightly less apt to shoot a black person than they are a white person. And so the claims of the systematic racism when it comes to police shootings and such just isn't there statistically. So, Neil, when you look at the the statistics here of what the actual data shows, it's just actually not accurate that there's this systematic racism in police forces isolated here and there of course there's bad apples everywhere and i know we got to take a break here but Mm -hmm. it's just not systematic like people have been claiming and and the liberal academic studies themselves are backing this up it's some pretty interesting stuff and i want to say something about that but i know we need to take a break so let's do that we'll be back in just a moment you're listening to the national crawford roundtable learn how to walk the narrow path with steve gray With over 40 years of studying the Bible, Steve Gregg is passionate about teaching you how to apply scriptural wisdom to every aspect of your life. 
Listen to The Narrow Path on your local Crawford Broadcasting Station or online at thenarrowpath.com. The Narrow Path is 100% listener-supported. Please keep this vital ministry going with your generous financial support and let them know you heard about The Narrow Path on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. This is the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. My name is Neil Boron. I'm in Buffalo, New York. With me today, Bob Duco in Detroit, Michigan. we got John Rush in Denver, Colorado, and Roger Marsh somewhere in sunny Southern California. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> huh. you know, institutional racism, is it happening on police forces everywhere, as, as we've been led to believe in the last few years? And it's interesting that you're saying the studies are saying no. Uh, I would agree, by and large, that that's probably the case. There may be some backwoods, you know, law enforcement agency somewhere that is carrying that kind of thing out. And so it's very, you know, we need to be alert to that reality. Are there individuals who are racist and perhaps, you know, acting in a racist fashion when making arrests or when dealing with the public? Yeah, probably. And let's weed the bad apples out and allow the full force of the law to come down on them because what they're doing is illegal if they're involved in racist activities while wearing a badge and representing law enforcement. But by and large, uh, the reality is that there are people who feel like uh, African Americans or other minorities are at times targeted by law enforcement. And if that's something that they want to express, they can do so because they have the right to do that. It's the United States of America. They can freely express themselves. We've made several points, and I'm sure we'll make others, about why it's okay to do that in the proper place at the proper time. But, you know, to just take this in a slightly different direction for a minute, there are other limitations that we live with under, that we live under, that are widely accepted. I mean, for instance, we have the right to keep and bear arms according to the Second Amendment. And and bear arms, meaning to have a gun upon ourselves. But there's laws that relate to concealed carry permits, and you, you can't bring a gun into an airport when you're passing through security. And we widely accept those kinds of limitations. They're freedoms, for sure, and we have the right to exercise those freedoms in its proper context, but in its proper context. So I think that all of this stuff always needs to be taken uh, with an understanding that there are limitations that all of us submit to. What I really see is that progressives and liberals and others who want to tout an agenda bully their way into these situations and then try to take us all hostage by saying this is their right to express these things. I think it was John earlier that said, you know, no, if it's the NFL or the IOC, whoever is making the rules has a right to enforce those rules and they'll probably be broken. But for those who do, let them pay the price of whatever goes along with breaking those rules, whether it's being denied a medal or not allowed to continue on to the next round or whatever it is, you know, being withdrawn from the Olympics. But Um, Yeah, I I just think that the bullying needs to stop. Nobody has a right to say when and where they're going to express their opinions. We all kind of cooperate together on that. Hey, guys, can I jump in here real quick? I know we're going to come up with a break here, but I wanted to speak into this issue because I've really enjoyed listening to what you guys have said. It's very thoughtful. I want to put my two cents in here uh, on this conversation because... One of the things that I've noticed, especially in the past couple of years, for those of you who have seen my Facebook pages, you know, my wife is African-American. And uh, the, the situation that I've experienced over the past couple of years of what it's like to be, you know, among my new family, uh, you know, extended family here is is one that says, you know, the problem with the national 
Colin Kaepernick takes a knee and that speaks for all people mentality is you don't get a chance then to hear the individual stories. You don't get a chance right. to see what it's like to kind of walk around in my stepson's shoes where he's, you know, literally does have those moments where he's like, there's a cop. Am I going to jail? You know, and that's that's a very real experience for him. And the thing that I found frustrating about, say, the Kaepernick or Macon Rapinoe trying to speak for all gay people is that there's a media behind them. In you know, every subculture kind of has its own media, you know, whether it's Christian or African-American, Hispanic, whatever, that feeds into the worst because statistics show (laughs) that we are drawn to bad news. We see it quicker. We hear it quicker. We remember it longer. That's the reason why CNN's always out there saying Donald Trump starting World War Three, because that's good for their business model. They think, you know, I know it's not. But I'm glad the IOC is doing what they're doing here for no other reason to say, look, we are a large organization. This is international. It's worldwide. We know what kind of influence we can have. It doesn't mean that there isn't systemic racism. It doesn't mean that, you know, and and you look at English football, you know, the uh, English Premier League, for example, has had a horrible problem with, you know, racist taunts from fans and things like that. But when we in the media, you know, kind of... A Kaepernick situation makes it easy to dismiss. It becomes a meteor and you say, oh, well, this is all about the flag, so forget it. We're not going to pay attention to it. These are issues that you really can't deal with in the media. You know, they really are best dealt with, you know, one on one. And so uh, to the point of I think everything that we're touching on, I think, is very, very helpful. But I, I w- just wanted to underscore the fact that everybody has a story. And, and the more we listen to and hear and, and share that experience, I think it'll kind of help shape and form our narratives as we go forward in terms of how we deal with issues like this. So I commend mm-hmm. the IOC yeah. for doing it. But I, I, I really appreciate the opportunity I've gotten just for me personally to uh, to kind of walk in those shoes and, and see you know what it's like to to have those perceptions and uh, and 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 those experiences and those realities too. So I, I, it's kind of a both end for me, not an either or. Very, very well said, Roger. Folks, we are going to continue in the second half of the podcast next. We're going to get into a discussion on the the whole concept of civility and respect, even when it comes to uh, how we handle the issue of sports and uh, politics. And then, of course, we're going to get into whether politics should be a political, whether sports should be a political free zone or not. You can listen to the second half of this National Crawford Roundtable podcast at uh, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more, or at CrawfordBroadcasting.com. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, we'd love for you to rate the podcast. Maybe give us five stars. But we're going to continue the second half with John Rush, Roger Marsh, Neil Boron, myself, Bob Duco, next. Continuing the second half of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast with John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live out of Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. We're talking about the decision by the Olympic Committee, the International Olympic Committee, to ban any kind of political statements during this year's summer 2020 Olympics. And that means no taking a knee during the national anthem. If anybody wants to do that, no wearing certain headbands or armbands or hand gestures or making any kind of political statement. Uh, we're all pretty much in agreement that the IOC is doing the right thing. You know, let, let's people have the freedom to express their political views on their own time, on their own dime. But you don't get to steal the spotlight that's being paid for and is owned by someone else to make it your own cause celeb, whether it's for a liberal cause or a conservative cause. And, uh, gentlemen, I want to talk with you a little bit about the the lack of civility 
and decency and respect that we seem to be seeing more and more. And I, I have to say, and I don't want to sound like a political right-wing hack here, but it seems like it's happening more and more from the left wing in this country, the intolerant left that uh, that doesn't believe in showing due, proper respect and civility. Uh, and I'll give you an example of this. So the, the, the flag kneelers that was going on in the NFL before. This is so disrespectful to the president, so disrespectful to America, so disrespectful to the flag. And you know, I think to myself, if if President Obama, when he was president, if I had been invited to the White House or there was some event and I was going to be able to meet and greet uh, President Obama, I cannot imagine when they brought him into the room and you're hearing the bump, da dum bump, bump, and here comes the president. I cannot even imagine uh, him walking in my direction and then me turning around and turning my back to him or spit on the ground or something. That would be so wrong. Of course I would look at the man, I would greet him, I would shake his hand, I would say, uh, you know, good to meet you, Mr. President. I mean, it, it almost seems like this, this sense of civility and decency has been lost. Vince Vaughn, the actor, was at the college football championship game the other night. And there was a moment caught on video where he came over and sat next to President Trump. And just for about 30 seconds, they chatted, friendly conversation with each other. They shook each other's hands. He waved and he walked away. Now Vince Vaughn is being smeared by liberals in the media because how dare he humanize Donald Trump and even be willing to shake the man's hand. And this to me, Roger, to the point that you were making before, I want to get your thoughts on this right now. Isn't this a little bit troubling? Because I, I would have a problem if, if a conservative said, I'm not going to shake Barack Obama's hand. It's mm -hmm. like, no, wait, the man's the right. president of the United States. OK, let's Agreed. show some respect either way. Mm -hmm. Yeah, what's crazy about this this whole Vince Vaughn story too is it's not like he's a card carrying Republican. From what I understand, right. Vince Vaughn's a libertarian, so right. you know, it's it's not like he's got anything politically to gain. But this is Ellen DeGeneres and George W. Bush yeah, at a exactly. Cowboys game all over again, right? And I don't know if you guys saw uh, Fox News posted it and Focus on the Family had it. Jim Daly wrote an op ed about oh, the Vince Vaughn great. thing. Did you see that? Yeah, well, I said, printed it out. Hey. I'm doing it on my show this week. <laughs> that, hey, hey, you know what? People don't know that I was friends with Valerie Jarrett. I'm thinking. Valerie Jarrett? I mean, Jim Daly? What the heck? But he's like, yeah, and when Barack Obama called and said, do you want to come to this forum on fatherlessness? I was right there. There's a civility, even though you know, he points out, hey, I didn't agree with her on most everything. I mean, ideologically, we are well on different sides of the aisle, but in terms of having a civil conversation and discourse, absolutely. Your point, Bob, about the uh, the left, uh, which is primarily the Democrat Party in this country right now, the progressive side, uh, really kind of fueling all of this. I don't know if you guys had a chance to see Kevin McCarthy, the uh, House uh, Minority Leader, uh, proposed a resolution earlier this week that was designed to, you know, and there's resolutions. So they just say, oh, we resolve that it's not a law. But mm -hmm. they wanted to condemn Iran for shooting down the Iranian right. passenger plane and also the stuff that went back on in November. And House Democrats killed it. They blocked it by a vote of 226 to 191. And I'm thinking to myself, wait. So they were quick to rush out and say, we're going to condemn the president for taking out uh, Soleimani because that's an act of war. And we think that's bad. But then... Iran responds by shooting down a Ukrainian jet. Well, now we don't want to step our nose into all this type of stuff. I mean, man, I guess you can't tell the players without a scorecard, but they no, sure are making it a lot easier to find out who the enemies are. These <laughs> no, Roger, let me let me address the thing that you just brought up though about the the resolution because uh, this is where, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be patient with the Democrats and see if they really do introduce their own 
resolution now. Here's what's being floated, that the Democrats, the reason that they blocked this resolution from McCarthy wasn't because they disagree with the sentiment, but because they control the House and they wanted to write their own version with their own verbiage of this. So that's what's being floated, even though they haven't publicly declared that. Uh, So my thinking is, okay, fine, let's wait and see. Are they actually really drafting a resolution that will, in fact, condemn Iran for the the shooting down of that plane and show support for the protesters looking for freedom and liberty over there? Will the Democrats actually really craft something like that? Maybe it's a cynical part of me, Roger, but I'm suspicious that they're not really going to do that. They just wanted to block this from the Republicans, claim that we're working on our own, and then I'll bet you it's like, ah, well, we're too busy now. We get into impeachment and then everything else, and I'll bet this ends up being swept under the rug and they never really did it. So uh, we'll, I'm with, I'm with we'll you see. on that, Bob. I, I think I think they showed their hand. I mean, if, if yeah. this is something that's condemnable, that I mean, they showed with the articles of impeachment. I mean, the fact that they said, okay, we're going to impeach the president, but we need a month to find some actual evidence. Okay, right. now, a month later, we're going to take the vote. I mean, it's just there's so much gamesmanship going on right now. I, I, I'm in your camp on that one, Bob. I think that this is a, uh, the, it's a classic, well, you can't do this because we want to be the ones to do it until we forget about it because it doesn't trend anymore right. in the news cycle. And I fully expect them to forget about it. You know, John, I'm, I'm curious to get your take on something. That, in talking about the liberal left and the the hatred, the intolerance, the the things along those, and and really the negative views toward America, the American flag. Uh, This is an opinion of mine, and I know some people are going to say it's unfair and it's subjective, but it seems like more and more of the liberal left in this country sees America through a negative lens as their default reaction. And and I think of this like the old Rorschach test, uh, where you show somebody an ink blot, and one person sees a butterfly, another person sees a bat. Well, I submit, John, that if you put 100 people in the room, 50 conservatives and 50 liberals, and you did a Rorschach test, and the image you showed them was American flag, and it was like, blurt out the first word that comes to mind. I genuinely believe that the majority of conservatives would blurt out something positive, and the majority of liberals would blurt out something like fascism, oppressive, uh, racism, totalitarian, some kind of negative reaction to the American flag, the national anthem. And I'm not saying all liberals, but it just it seems like we're getting more and more of that anti-American sentiment from the left in this country. And, and I'm curious your observation. Uh, I, I think you're 100% correct. It's interesting when you just said that. I was in, in my mind picturing what, you know, what would I say? And you're right. My first words that I would come up with would be freedom. When I see yeah. a flag, I think freedom. And, I, you know, freedom for all men under the flag. That's what our founding fathers wanted. That That's the that's the principles upon which this country was founded, which, by the way, I think are very deeply seated in Christian principles as well. You know, freedom in Christ, freedom in the nation. You know, we have the freedom to do and act the way we want to, providing we don't harm the others around us. That's really what the Founding Fathers set in stone. And frankly, guys, this is where we've just, I guess it shows how well the left has done it, ingraining you know, individuals, our young people through through public school system, through college, through, you know, higher education, all these different things. It just shows you that the immediate reaction now is something negative, even though, you know, my, my co-host and I, you know, Dan and I talk about this on a regular basis. The reality is we are living in the best times in the United States of America ever. 
You can go out and become a millionaire tomorrow if you want to. It's just a matter of working harder than everybody else. That's really the bottom line. You can do anything in this country you want to if you set your mind to it. And that's the country that we live in. And guys, it's the best it's ever been. There, there's never been a time in the history of mankind that you could do the things you can do in the United States of America today, period. Yeah, so true. Neil, what's your take on on that and the the growing hostility toward anything America, especially from the political left? And I got to say, a lot of the young people, too, the new polls out, Gallup poll and uh, recently a Harris poll showing that nearly 50 percent of the younger generation says they'd rather live in a socialist country or they would uh, probably be happier living in some non-America country. What is this anti-Americanism that seems to be spreading more and more among the political left in this? country well i think you're right and it is spreading which is cause for concern of course and i think we need to not only address you know the agenda and the items that are on uh, the political agenda at hand but we need to address the hearts of of america uh, and the american people and i think that as believers we have some ability to speak into that because you know we know the prince of peace but you know let me back up the truck for just a second uh to say that and i'm not going to be popular for saying this, but uh, first of all, let me make a point that I think self-delusion is a kissing cousin to hypocrisy. And I'm going to talk about this on both sides very briefly, but um, as an example, um, you know, somebody might say, well, why is the the left so hostile? Where's the, the anger coming from? Well, President Trump occasionally says, you know, he talks about crooked Hillary and shifty pencil neck Schiff and I, I watched some of the political rallies and, it, you know, the, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So I don't know exactly what's in his heart. I love many of the policies that President Trump stands for, but I also could see that some of the things he said are the kind of things that can incite a riot, uh, that he isn't necessarily shown respect to Nancy Pelosi and other people that he disagrees with. And so I would hope and pray that people like Franklin Graham and Jerry Falwell Jr. and Paula White and the others who have the ear of the president would try to counsel him on that and say, look at, you know, um, Speak kindness, speak life, because Proverbs 15.1 says a gentle answer turns away wrath. You can be just as strong on all the issues, but treat people with kindness and respect, and you're going to get a different response. But on the other side of the equation, um, and so I think, honestly, the evangelicals and the president and others aren't really looking at what role we play in all that. On the other side of the equation, I just think it's ludicrous that progressives and liberals and others will say that, listen, we want equality and kindness and humanity shown to every to all mankind, then they turn around and don't show it to President Trump or to, to conservatives. So I don't know, we got a whole bunch of self-delusion going on, but I do believe that people in the body of Christ can have an influence. Certainly prayer will matter, but you know, how we conduct ourselves matters as well. That's, yeah, uh, that's a great point. I could say a lot more, but that's kind of where my heart is at. Roger, I know we got to take a break. I want to give you a chance to respond to that too. I, Neil, I resonate with what you said 100%. You know, when we when we look at institutions versus individuals, we realize that change begins with individuals, not with institutions. And so uh, the fact that there are so many people that we all know who are going to the White House on a regular basis and praying for the president, that he has a very strongly committed Christian vice president working with him, and yet still takes to the tactics that he does, is a pretty good indication that we still need to keep praying for whoever's at 1600 Pennsylvania Avenue. And I think that's mm-hmm. a, a very wise uh, counsel from our, our sage, Pastor Neil. Uh, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more on this special edition of the National Crawford Roundtable podcast. Dr. Michael Yusuf leads the way for people living in spiritual darkness to discover the light of Jesus Christ. 
This tremendous outreach begins with the proclamation of God's Word through the uncompromising biblical teaching of Dr. Michael Yusuf. Leading the Way is here to equip and strengthen the church to stand strong and to advance the gospel in today's ever-changing world. Listen to Leading the Way with Dr. Michael Yusuf at ltw.org listen and be sure to mention you heard about their program on the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable podcast along with Bob Duco out of the Bob Duco Show in Detroit, Neil Boron, host of Neil Boron Live in Buffalo, New York, John Rush, host of Rush to Reason, Denver, Colorado, and myself, Roger Marsh, host of The Bottom Line here in Southern California. And we're talking about what we started talking about about 45 minutes ago, uh, the International Olympic Committee's decision to ban all political statements. And we're just kind of wandering through a dialogue about how this, you know, speaks to the kind of condition in the world, but now specifically focusing on uh, what's happening here in the United States. And, and guys, I, I'll just toss this, Bob, I'll toss it back to you. This, uh, we're, we're concerned about an anti-American sentiment, but should we in the body of Christ be as concerned with an anti-Christian sentiment that's happening here? Because I, I, I don't think they're mutually exclusive. No, I, I don't think they are either. I, I think there is very much a, an anti-Christian sentiment. And you know, to, to the point that uh, as well that I want to address that Neil brought up before, uh, it is true that President Trump says things in a harsher way than he should. Uh, there are times where, you know, I don't like when I hear him refer to Adam Schiff as pencil neck, and you know, I, I would rather not hear things like that. So uh, I think we have to be honest and wide-eyed and, and uh, you know, genuine about the president's warts and flaws and his rough edges. And, the th- and I do hope that the evangelical Christians surrounding him are trying to sand those edges and basically, you know, move him in, in a direction farther away from that. Uh, but at the same time, we got to recognize that President Trump, this has been woven into his DNA for so long. He's a counterpuncher. He doesn't take baloney from anybody. You come at him with the kitchen sink, he comes at you with the whole kitchen, including the neighbor's kitchen. Uh, that's how he operates. And if you look at the words that have been used to describe him by people on ABC, NBC, CBS, CNN, MSNBC, uh, by Adam Schiff, by Nancy Pelosi, and all the rest of them, they have called him Hitler, the KKK, a racist, a Nazi, mentally unhinged. I mean, they have said the nastiest, most vile things about him, and that doesn't justify him doing tit for tat. I'm not saying that, but but at the same time, I think we need to recognize that the the amount of vicious hatred that's been leveled at this man, in, in at least in my lifetime, has been unprecedented. Now, with that said, uh, I, I look at the overall sense of of anti-Americanism and. Yeah, I think Roger's right. There's an anti-Christian attitude in this as well that seems to be permeating much of our culture and society. It is troubling, and I think that's one of the things that activates evangelical Christians very often as it relates to to this president. I mean, Neil, I want to get your take on that and what Roger was saying, and then after that, I kind of want to bring it back full circle to the world of sports and close this discussion out with the, with a talk about uh, whether politics and sports should ever meet. But uh, first, Neil, your take on what Roger was saying there about anti-Americanism and anti-Christian attitudes very often working in harmony with each other. No, I think that's exactly right. I think that we're seeing more of it. And I think scripturally speaking, and I don't want to be, you know, 
constantly going back to the Word of God, but I do think it's the basis for what we believe. That, that hey, take it back. Take us back. None of us are going to complain. <laughs> right. No, but but none of us should be surprised, right? Don't be surprised. Yeah. Men revile you and persecute you. Say all manner of yeah. evil against you falsely on account of me, Jesus said. So the things that we believe scripturally that we want to stand for, our Christian principles, are going to get us in hot water. And when they happen to align with what we d- believe are American principles and freedom and democracy and the things that seem to go hand in hand that we believe our nation was founded on, then we're going to get pushed back at every level, whether it's political or spiritual or otherwise. So I don't think we should be surprised, but I think we need to double down on things like prayer. And, you know, even going back to what I said about Proverbs 15:1, a gentle answer turns away wrath. And, Bob, I don't disagree that no president in history has been as maligned as President Trump. I mean, he's got Hollywood against him. He's got liberals and progressives against him. Basically, all Democrats against him. And the media is against him. So everybody has been trying to get him out of office and saying hateful and harmful things. So why wouldn't he be like a cornered rat and come out and say, what he, but, you know, but but a soft answer turns away wrath and don't return evil for evil. And so the, the, uh, the point I'm making is these scriptural principles, we either believe them or we don't. And, and my prayer would be that, you know, we can't speak for the president. We can't get inside him and make him say certain things. And I guess he's pretty hard to control in terms of what he puts on Twitter and stuff. But we can pray about it and we can demonstrate what we believe to be true. But I, I don't think we have to back down at all on what we believe about the ideology that we're discussing here. I think we can stand firm, stand on truth and, and be stalwart in what we believe and what we stand for. But I also think we can do it with kindness and let God take care of the rest. I don't think we need right. to enter into that kind of fray or cheer the president on when he's mocking someone. I think we ought to pull back and say, well, I agree with what he's saying, but not how he's saying it. And I think that the world around us needs to know that that kind of stuff does matter to us if we're true believers. Did anybody happen to see, and well said, Neil, by the way, did anybody happen to see, uh, and John, I don't know how much of a football fan you are if you watch the college national championship game, but yes. when yes, President Trump and Melania yes. Trump, when they were, yes. did you see that rounding? Played it on air that, that, yesterday, actually. Played the excerpt uh, of Oh, yeah, the, the cheer. And they, they were chanting four more years yep. in USA, and yep. quite yep. a big difference in, in the response minute, that he received. Over a minute, uh, that's right, over a minute of applause for the president, totally different than what he got in D.C., yeah. Oh, I know. I know. But it, you know, it was really incredible to watch that that crowd to their feet and cheering him the the way that uh, the way that they did, which which kind of brings me back to full circle to a sports discussion here. And, and this is what I'd like to talk with you guys about now. Should sports be apolitical? I, I'll be honest with you. I I long for those days again. You know, it, it, it's almost like remember the good old days when when you could go to a football game and you're sitting there in the stands and the guy's sitting next to you, and if your team scores a touchdown, you both stand up and cheer and you high five the stranger next to you, and you didn't know and you didn't care if that person right. was a Democrat right. or a Republican right. or for that matter an atheist even or a That's Christian. Right. You didn't care. It's like. You know, you're a fellow sports fan. We're cheering on the team right. together. We high-five each other. And I hate right. to say it, but all of this politics, John, that's been introduced into the world of sports and the NFL allowing Colin Kaepernick to, to, to do what he did a few years ago and then that catching on, it's now suddenly become one of those things where uh, where you the fans in the stands are, are pretty much declaring their political allegiance for one reason or another, somehow, some way, 
And now we're all divided politically because we're isolating who's the Republicans, who's the Democrats, who's the Trump supporters, who's not, who's the liberal, who's the conservative. And I just think it's ruining the game. Fully agree. Real quick, guys, let's take a quick timeout. It's our last break. You're listening to the National Crawford Roundtable. Dr. James Dobson left a successful career in academia to preserve and promote the biblical family in America. The radio broadcasting ministry of Dr. Dobson spans over four decades, earning him 17 honorary doctorate degrees and an induction into the National Radio Hall of Fame. Today, Dr. Dobson continues to champion marriage and parenthood through Family Talk. Listen every weekday at drjamesdobson.org and be sure to reference the National Crawford Roundtable podcast when asked how you listen to Family Talk. All right, folks, we're back. National Crawford Roundtable, myself, Bob, Neil and Roger, and to your point a second ago, Bob, yes. I mean, I, I've got season tickets to the CU Buffalo games. We've got 50-yard line tickets. I've had them for years and years and years. They belong to my wife's father and so my father-in-law. And, and I will tell you, you know, Boulder, Colorado, liberal capital of the world in a lot of cases. Yes, I'm a conservative. Yes, I grew up there. It's amazing. I actually did. But the reality is this. For years and years and years, and it's, it's really still kind of this way today, you can go sit in the stands. I know a lot of the folks that sit around us. They're season ticket holders as well. And I know some of these guys are as liberal as it gets. Literally, they are as liberal and probably as anti-Christian as you could ever imagine because I know who they are. But yet, Bob, to your point, you go to the game, you score a touchdown or, or whatever happens. There's a great play, a great pass, a great run. You get up, you high-five one another, you love the sport, you love each other, you're hugging each other if you win. And to me, that's what sporting events should be. It's the bringing together of people, which to me, actually, guys, to kind of bring this to a little different level, that's what should be a way to open doors to talk to people about our faith is when you can have Mm -hmm. that type of a setting to where it's completely neutral and you can share your thoughts and feelings in a non-judgmental way. That's the way it's supposed to be. And to your point, Bob, I hope we can get back to that. Well, I hope so, too. I mean, Roger, what's your take on this? It, it seems to me that sports is being ruined by everybody having to declare their political opinions and allegiance in the stands. And, and I just I wish it weren't that way. You know, I grew up a born and raised Southern California guy. And so I, I, I have a daughter who goes to the University of Southern California right now in grad school. I grew up watching SC football. I didn't, I didn't know since I was born in 1961. I didn't know about all the racial strife and stuff like that. I just knew I liked SC's football team. I didn't mm-hmm. realize they were one of the first you know, major programs to be racially integrated. And I remember the reading about and watching a video about Bear Bryant, the former coach at Alabama, who was good friends with John McKay, who was the head football coach at USC. And Bear Bryant had the hardest time integrating his team because, you know, it was Alabama in the 60s, the Deep South. And so he called John McKay, goes, what do we do? He goes, well, why don't we play a home and home series? You guys bring your team from SC down to Alabama and we'll play and we'll see what happens. So they played. No protests, no marching, no kneeling, no nothing. Just SC's integrated team came in against Alabama's basically all white team and SC ran them off the field. And the very next year, Bear Bryant got permission to start recruiting African-American players. The point I make is they settled it on the field. They let their excellence, right. you know, show and say, hey, look, th- this is a really good team. We don't care, you know, necessarily the ethnic origin of these guys. We want the best team on the field. That was a mindset that had to be changed. And to Neil's point about being kind, I've always loved Roman, uh, Romans 2.4. God's kindness leads to repentance. If you look at mm-hmm. the Greek for the word kindness, uh, Christosis literally means goodness, excellence, uprightness. When people see the goodness of God in our hearts, because we all know it's not us. It's what he's put in there. 
that does lead people to question and say, what, what the heck am I doing wrong? You know, I mean, we, right. we really set a good example. Lauren Daigle's uh, national anthem, the national championship game on Monday night is a good example of that. She didn't wear any signs, didn't wear a cross, didn't kneel, cross herself or whatever. She sang the national anthem. Right. That was it. And social media went nuts the next day. Did you hear this girl? She was amazing. And I wonder how many people then went, I'm going to Google her. And, oh, she's got some uh-huh. records. In. Oh, and you began to Christian see. artist. What do you know? Oh, what do you know? But you yeah, didn't seven get Seven Grammys. Her, or, I mean, yeah, seven yeah, dubs. Yeah. You didn't get that from watching her sing the national anthem. What you heard was a talented singer singing right. the national anthem. I think that's a, a more effective way to witness. And I hope I would. I'm with John. I would love to see the sporting world kind of get back to that. You know, it, it seems, Neil. This goes back to something I was talking about before the civility issue that we were discussing. Mm-hmm. Uh, if this is going to happen, uh, it seems like everyone needs to be willing to show a measure of civility. And, and I we were talking about President. Trump walking out there uh, and getting the resounding cheers that he was getting. Uh, I had news for you. If if I was at a sporting event and President Obama walked out on the field, I cannot. Im- I I can't imagine any of the four of us standing up and booing. I can't imagine any of the four of us folding our arms and and sending sending a stink eye vibe to the people around us. Uh, we would show the proper due respect and stand with everyone else and applaud as the president enters the field. That doesn't mean that we support his agenda. It means that we're showing decency and civility in that particular moment. And, and unless, Neil, I'm speaking out of hand here, it seems like that's something that we have a responsibility to do. Uh, I would just like to see everyone on both sides look at it this way. Yeah, and I know there's a lot more we could say about this, but I agree fully. And I, I just... You know, my heart grieves for the loss of common ground, the way you guys described it. When you can slap hands with the neighbor and know that you're all on the same team, hoping that the home team wins, and you don't really care if he's a registered Democrat or Republican. It's just the idea that you're hoping to beat the other team that's out there on the field. I grieve that loss. But like you said, Bob, not only do we have a responsibility, we have an opportunity to demonstrate what that looks like for a lost and dying world. And so, you know, we're cognizant of this. I don't think everyone's really necessarily thinking about these kind of things. Hopefully listening to our podcast will help change some minds. But, you know, we have the opportunity to demonstrate it, and I think we should encourage others in the body of Christ to do the same. Do you think it's lost for good, though, Neil? I mean, can this toothpaste get put back in the tube, or is this just from now on the new uh, world of sports? Do you want me to say what I really think? (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, is that it? Is sports now ruined or can we actually come back full circle at some point to where once again, two people are high fiving and they didn't necessarily know uh, whether they were high fiving uh, someone on the political aisle or different than them or not? Yeah, I think with God, anything is possible. I think the biggest gains are going to be made on individual level, you know, in small discussions with people at work and over dinner or having a cup of coffee and stuff like that. So, you know, if the nation were to be attacked and World War III actually began, some nation somewhere attacks us and we all of a sudden have to pull together, I think that would help. Those kind of things help. I'm not praying for that, obviously. But um, I think anything's possible. I just don't think that it's probable. And I think in the meantime, we need to shine as as much light as we can because the world's getting darker by the day. Yeah, I'm going to be a right-wing political hack here again. Neil, as much as I hate to say it, I feel like even if we were attacked in some kind of a 9-11 moment, I'm not sure that the the left wing 
would be willing to unite as Americans. I have a bad feeling that they might somehow, some way do everything, especially if Trump was president when this happened, to somehow turn it into a negative on him and try to score political points. I mean, look what happened in Iran. We actually, what we were talking about before, we've actually had uh, a case where we should all be coming together united as Americans against death to America, Iran, uh, yet still... John Rush, to to Neil's point here, uh, I'm just not sure that the liberal left in this country right now, that there's any issue that would cause them to say, hey, wait a minute, let's put politics aside and be Americans first, even with that right-wing Republican Trump supporter. And I don't know that I can deny what you just said, Bob. I think you're, you're probably accurate on the political spectrum. I will say, though, you know, going back to the question of can sports come right. back to where there's that same camaraderie? I think yes. In fact, I think we're headed back to that because of because of this. It's called the golden rule. The guy with the gold rules. And all of these teams know that if they don't get back to that neutral position, it's going to cost them in viewership, ticket sales, and other things. So I do think that the sporting world will come back to that. Now, huh, will that hope. have some effect upon what you said a second ago, Bob, when it comes to the political world? Yeah, I don't know. There's so much vitriol on the left and so much hatred for those of us on the right that, that I don't know. I mean, I think the only saving grace we have there is to Neil's point and Rogers is, is you know, the Lord himself. If, if we as Christians can somehow be a positive influence on that side, show the love of Christ, show compassion, and still stand our ground at the same time, which, by the way, those are really, really hard things to do, what I just said. But if we can somehow make all of that happen and try to win some of them over, maybe there's a chance. But my fear is a lot of them are just so dead set in their ways that it's a really hard thing to change their mind on. Yeah, what do you think uh, there, Roger? Can this toothpaste be put back in the tube as it relates to sports being apolitical? I I don't think that there's ever going to be a time now in this culture where there won't be some camera in front of somebody who's trying to make a name for themselves and they're going to mm-hmm. that it's just it's a new reality. All we can do to combat it is to, you know, keep encouraging people of faith who are on that platform. I was reading the other day about Adam Wainwright, the uh, Card- St. Louis Cardinals baseball player who opened up a separate Twitter account where he's encouraging people who follow it to read the Bible every day with him and have online discussions. And I think that's fantastic. You'll notice too he's doing it on Twitter he's not doing it at Bush Stadium and I think mm-hmm. that there's there's a way that you can still have an influence okay. several thousand people are following that so mm-hmm. yes there is a way we can it's a both and not an either or but you know and I hate to be the bearer of bad news but the church really thrives under pressure you know I mean, you <laughs> yeah. see the church in China sure. and other places too I was reading a, a book the other day about a couple of women who were uh, Iranian Christians who were sentenced to death because of the fact that they were Christians they spent eight months in the even prison which is the most tor- notorious prison in all of Iran and they said that their most fruitful mission field was the prison they had both been trying to start churches hmm. that weren't getting anywhere and they had more converts to christ while they were locked up so i mean i'm not wishing that on anyone but i do realize that just because there is more oppression toward the church in the culture right now it doesn't necessarily mean god isn't at work right well i just know i'm very appreciative for you three gentlemen not being resentful and jealous of me because i live in the town that has the incredible world champion detroit lions and so uh, thank you for thank I'm you sorry, for Bob, your to break it up again christ for your christ-like humility and not violating the 10th commandment and coveting uh the detroit uh-huh. lions being your own team so uh great discussion guys <laughs> 
As always. And I just want to encourage everybody, uh, when you you go to Apple Podcasts, for example, you know, rate the podcast, give us five stars. We always enjoy you folks uh, tuning into us. And John Rush, Rush to Reason out of Denver, Roger Marsh, the bottom line out of Southern California, Neil Boron, Neil Boron Live, Buffalo, New York, myself, Bob Duco out of Detroit. Uh, Gentlemen, always great talking with you and catching up. Uh, Look forward to uh, catching up with you on the roundtable next week as well. Likewise, Likewise, Bob. Bob, Thanks. Thanks, All right, you bet. We'll see you guys. Congratulations to Roger again, too. Roger Marsh. Thanks, guys. Who we we know married up large. And so congratulations. Congratulations to you, Roger. It's fantastic. (laughs) Great to have you back. We'll see everybody next week, everybody. God bless. This has been the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, a biblical view of culture, current events, and politics. Thank you for joining us. Download and subscribe to the National Crawford Roundtable Podcast, available on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more. Apple users can rate the podcast, and we'd appreciate your five-star rating. National Crawford Roundtable Podcast returns with a new discussion each week. Be sure to watch for the notification on your podcast app. This has been a Crawford Broadcasting Company production.